Well, this week and next week, I'm going to talk to you about restoration, supernatural increase and restoration. Let me remind everybody that our covenant with our God is not a covenant of survival or barely getting by. It is a covenant of increase. Usually, usually when people go through a period of severe warfare, they generally are thrilled just to say to somebody, well, we survived. But surviving biblically is not God's total best. God's best is for me to overcome. God's best is to rule and reign in Christ Jesus. God's best is more than enough. So we've got to get out of this breaking even mode since COVID and start breaking through. So God wants to bring increase, but we've got to get out of a survivor mentality and way of thinking and begin to believe God and his word and acting on our faith for some supernatural increase that can't be explained by natural means and restoration in our lives and in our church. There's got to be momentum in all of our lives. If not, I'm sitting dead in the water with no vision, no desire, and no purpose. That's what propels you forward in tough times. So here's a good question this morning. Has the enemy stolen something from you and you're fed up and ready to get it back? Restoration is getting back what has been stolen from you. But God's principle of restoration, Old and New Testament, I'll give you a quick pitch. Exodus 22, verse 1, said, if a man steals an oxen from you, he's got to restore five oxen for the one. If he steals a sheep from you, he's got to pay it back four to one. The thief shall restore sevenfold. So when God restores, you don't get back what you lost. You either get back more or you get back the same in quality, kind, or quantity. So it's a good deal. But so few believers know it, know they have the right to it, a legal right to it, purchased by Jesus at the cross, and that it is a principle from the Old Testament to the New. When Zachariah, uh, Zacchaeus, the little wee sycamore tree, came down to meet with Jesus, he's, remember, he's an extortionist, okay? He's sort of the IRS. He said, he collected taxes, he, but what they got by brutality or the sword or a threat, he got to put in his pocket. So he said, if I've wronged any man, I'll restore fourfold. Can you see the principle is you don't get back what you lost. You get back better or you get back more. And that's something that is for every believer and so few know about it. And so the enemy steal, kill, and destroy. And we're just happy to say, well, I'm bumping along. Well, thank God I'm still breathing. Well, I woke up. Oh, get a life, Sparky. God's got more for you than bump along, get along, survive. What happened to thrive? We, we, we've got the power of the most high. It doesn't mean we don't go through a tough time, but when it's over, we're going to come out ahead. And I got an idea, something good is going to happen to so many of you in the next few months. Joel chapter 2, verse 23 says, Rejoice, you people of Jerusalem. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness. Once more, the autumn rains will come as well as the rains of spring. Now look at the result down in verse 24. The threshing floors will again be piled high with grain, and the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. Now, that sounds like abundance to me and restoration. Verse 25, so I, God says, will restore to you, fill in your name, the years, 
the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, the COVID locust, and the chewing locust that I sent among you. You know, a football team can have the greatest quarterback in the league. He can have the greatest passing arm in the NFL. But if he doesn't have any receivers, it won't do him any good to throw the ball. Well, God wants to throw the ball to us, church, and there's nothing wrong with God's passing. What's wrong is too many believers aren't receivers. But God said, I want to restore to you the years. I'm passing, church. Are you receiving? Well, how do we get in this place of receiving? First, I find out what God says. When he says he will restore to you, make it personal. Put your name there. It won't help you for me or somebody else to take it. You've got to receive it. God wants to restore years. How many years have you been a survivor? How many years has the enemy ravished your marriage? How many years has the enemy ravished your finances, your health? God says he wants to restore the years. And let me pause to say, I remember telling my, at the time, my 75-year-old father who said, I've wasted so much of my life. And I said, Dad, the Bible says God will restore the years you've squandered without him and wasted. And I said, when, when God restores, it's either greater quantity, quality, or kind. So you ain't getting another 75 years. What you're going to get are these latter years are going to be better in quality than the 75 you wasted. You're going to get better. It's going to be a good, and the old sucker lived to 101. I'd say God did a good work. <laughs> but you've got to get in a position to receive it. Okay, Luke 5, verse 17. Got to got hustle here. One day while Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seems that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem, and the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. So we know the power of God was present to heal everybody, but not one got healed. Well, they weren't in a position to receive it. They were there to judge, not receive. They were there to criticize, not receive. And they didn't receive anything, you know. But an outsider, nobody did. Go down to verse 18. And it says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside the house to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up on the roof and tore off some of the tiles, and they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does this guy think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. But Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he knows what you're thinking too. So he asked them, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. Well, these boys had refused to take no for an answer. When they said, we've got no room, we've got no parking, we've got no seating, come back next time Jesus is in town, they had faith and hope their friend would be made well. And right where religious people were getting nothing, this paralytic man got healed. He was carried in, but the dude walked out. He came in doubt, but he left in faith. 
He came without hope, but he left in praise. Thank God. So get in a position to receive restoration and supernatural increase. This was purchased for you at the cross. You don't earn it. You can't merit it. It is a legal right of covenant. And if you're in Christ, it's yours. You get a right. Well, I don't have a good attitude. That's got nothing to do with a legal right. You can go to court and have a bad attitude, but have a legal right to something and get it. People, greedy is not a good word, but uh, I want to take everything from the enemy. I can. Every, if it's legal, if it's biblical, if I have a right to it, I want it. Scripture said God confirms his words with signs following. And if you and I will get in a position to receive, we'll see some signs following our believing. We ought to be seeing some. So God promises to restore years. There are people who have walked in bitterness for years. God wants to restore those years. There are people who have walked in lack and need, barely getting by for years. And God wants to restore those years. There are people who have been in prison. God wants to restore the years you wasted with bad choices and give you an abundant future. It's yours if you're in Christ. But you got to get fed up with the enemy stealing from you and stop being a good loser. Until you're fed up, you're not going to get serious. And as long as you're still crying, sucking your thumb, complaining, feeling sorry for yourself, posting on social media, you're not fed up yet. You got to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Why do we choose to cry, complain? Well, we forget. Israel was always forgetting God. When Israel got to Jericho and they saw those massive walls, they forgot. What'd they forget, Rick? Well, 31 kings and seven nations destroyed by God for them. They forgot when they needed bread. God sent manna every day. When they needed water for a few million out in the desert, God gave them water through the rock. They forgot the times God came through. And folks, sometimes we forget. And God wants to remind us of three things never to forget. Number one, don't forget who God is. Number two, don't forget what God can do. And number three, don't forget what God has done. Look in the past. David remembered God helped me kill a bear. Later on, God helped me kill a lion. I reckon God will take down this giant too. You see, remember, remember what he's done. If he's done it before, he can do it again. And he'll do it for you. Yeah, Rick, I know he'll do it for you. Oh, shut up. God's no respecter of persons. You have as much legal right as I do. The only difference is I'm not going to sit around, suck my thumb, and be passive. I am madder than Gehenna. It'd be nice when we could start using the right words. Because everybody in church does as soon as they leave and get on 281. I know. All right. If you're still running around and calling everybody in town talking about your losses, you're not fed up yet. And until you are, you won't take any action. You'll just continue to bump along, get by, and survive. See, desperation is a good motivator. You know, momentum will cause you to stand for God and against the enemy. But if you lose momentum, you'll stop. So if you're just hoping you'll survive, you can't believe for supernatural increase and restoration the same way God wants you to. By the way, hoping it will work out is not a strategy. <laughs> okay. Well, I just hope it'll work out. Well, what's your plan? What's your strategy? Well, I just hoping. That's not a strategy. You've got to take some action. Isaiah 42, verse 22. 
You ought to put that on your mirror in the bathroom. It says God's people and leaders won't declare restore. So they are robbed and spoiled by the enemy. If you don't start standing up and declaring, and I'm going to help you, restoration over what the enemy has stolen from you, you'll stay plundered and spoiled forever. Well, the enemy doesn't have a right. No, he doesn't, but you've got to resist him. Why does Scripture say resist the devil, he'll flee from you? You've got to do something. Well, I just hope he'll feel sorry for me and leave me alone. He doesn't feel sorry for you. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. He never has a day where he thinks anything good about you or me. Nehemiah 4, verse 6. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Today, we can't get anybody to work. These people are not survivors. They're believing they're going to build that wall. They believe in their leaders. They believe in the vision. They have a unified heart and spirit, and they have unstoppable momentum to see something supernatural increase and restoration. They are restoring, rebuilding the walls and gates of Jerusalem. The enemy had ravished the city, left it in shambles. So the people are fed up with the situation as it is, and they're going to do something about it and believe God to restore it. And that's got to happen in your life and mine as well. And believe me, believe me, there will be obstacles to cause you to doubt so you will remain a survivor. In verse 7 and 8, Nehemiah 4, But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the work building the wall was going ahead and that the gaps in the walls of Jerusalem were being repaired, they became furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. Confusion never comes from God. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14, God is not the author of confusion. Our government is, certain people are, but God isn't. It's all right, God doesn't want you confused. I'm so confused. Well, that's a, a bad spirit. You need to rebuke it. I'm not confused. I might get mad. You might get a little discouraged, but, but not confused. The enemy will get mad when you start to get your life together, when you start to get your marriage together, when you start to get your finances together, when you start to get purpose and vision, you get it in alignment, when you start to attack uh, your health or some issue that's causing you a setback. The enemy gets mad. He wants you to give up and stop this. You'll escape. You'll get out into freedom and liberty like you're supposed to be, so he's going to fight you to discourage you. If you're praying for something and it gets worse, you're doing good. You're doing good. Press on through. See? He doesn't want to see you get anything back you've lost. He wants to see you in lack. He wants to see you suffering. See, he can't do that to God, so he does it to God's kids. And when you begin to stand on God's Word and believe God, you get into position to receive. Then the enemy starts to get mad. You are now a target. You're a threat to the enemy. Verse 8 says, they all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. Sounds like the enemy to me. But Nehemiah and the people refused to give up. They had broken that survivor mindset. They've got a different perspective and way of thinking. Now look at the outcome. Verse 15, Nehemiah 6. So on October the 2nd, this is October, isn't it? Yeah. October the 2nd, the wall was finished just 52 days after we started. So the wall was finished. So the devil didn't stop them, did he? 
And notice how quick they finished. 52 days they rebuilt the walls and the gates. That's supernatural, supernatural restoration. Some of you are saying, Rick, it's taken years for the enemy to take everything from me. So it'll take me years to get it back. Not so. Not when God supernaturally restores to you in a supernatural time frame. We don't have that many years to wait anyway. Verse 16. And it happened when all our enemies heard about it and all the nations around us saw these things, they were disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. And that's what God wants. He wants to treat you in such a way that the unsaved and those outside of the kingdom of God will say, my gosh, that must be God. There's no natural way that can happen. See, when Israel was brought out of Egypt, supernatural deliverance. They had experienced 430 years of bondage, poverty, suffering, and hardship. They had lost homes, wealth, dignity. And God raised up Moses to lead them into restoration, into the promised land. But before they could get in restoration, God had to bring them some increase. They've got nothing. So look where the increase comes from. Verse 35, Exodus 12. And the people of Israel did as Moses instructed. They asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites, and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So they stripped the Egyptians of their wealth. Can you see that God turns the heart of a king any way he wants? Yeah, I don't know why. Well, this guy's unsaved, and he doesn't like God, and he isn't going to help me. God can change the heart of a ruler, of a king, of anybody, and turn it. He turned these people to help them. What if God supernaturally turns the heart of a city or community or people that he has chosen to help you or to help us? Just bring it on, Lord. That's what he did here. This was, this was rare racist, bigoted. The Egyptians hated the Israelites. This, that was true among most of the Middle Eastern nations. And God supernaturally changed their attitude. Go into the bank for a loan and say, well, I'd really like a home mortgage at 2%. Okay, Mr. God, we don't do this for many people, but I'm going to do it for you. Sure you are. God told you to. You got to. <laughs> Expect favor. Expect you are blessed and highly favored. Favor gets you what you couldn't get on your own for crying out loud. Wouldn't you like some of that? I don't know. I'll just sit, just suck your thumb and wait for the pixie fairy to come and put some dust on you. 364 verses of hallelujah, hallelujah. That's not how they worked in the Bible. You've got you to get bad to the bone here. Some in you has to have righteous anger. God supernaturally brings a wealth transfer of resources. In Proverbs 13, 22, it says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. So I think you're going to see in the next few months, for many of you, a wealth transfer. You're going to get back what you lost. God's going to multiply that. You're going to get the sales, the contract, the closing, expansion. You're going to get what you've lost beyond what you've been able to imagine or think. It's supernatural increase and restoration. See, take everything you can out of the enemy's kingdom because we can't reach this world and expand the kingdom without resources. You can't do it broke. I can't be a blessing to anybody broke. I can't give you what I don't have. 
I, if I'm not blessed, I can't be a blessing. And I think a lot of people forget it. If you're a celebrity, a sports star, if you hold a position of authority, if you have accumulated wealth that you've been able to make, God says, if you're a believer, I put you in that position. Now, don't forget, you're going to have a good life because of it, but don't forget the purpose. I want to expand my kingdom and I need resources, and I put it in, can I trust you? I put it in your hand. Use it wisely. You don't have to go out and buy 13 new cars. I mean, you just watch the waste. I was after that $699 million lotto. Me and, me and Mark Earhart, we got our ticket. I've got a legal pad, and I, I just said to the Lord, kind of fun, but true, Here's how it's going to be spent. Wouldn't have a temptation one. It's already done. We'd do it in a second. And I wouldn't tell you we're debt free. You'd just see the cranes out there putting up the gym and the, the new classrooms and expanding the parking. You wouldn't say a word. I'm just saying to you, what would you do? And I keep saying, Lord, how come you're going to give Gladys in Louisiana $700 million, and she can't even fix the screen door on the back porch. Come on, Lord. We can do better than this. Most of these people will be broke in a year, two years. Some will go to jail. Some will die. They can't handle it. I said, I can. Come on, Lord, test me. Anybody ever think like that? I'm very sincere, but not once has he let me do that. <laughs> He wants me to stay dependent on him. Yeah, he knows me, I guess. Inside, he knows you. See? I hate a survivor's mentality. I'm believing for supernatural increase, something we can't explain naturally. So Israel's headed for the promised land for restoration. They've got a vision. We're going to get our homes back, our land back, our businesses back. So now there's momentum. Now they're a force to be reckoned with. So God has a purpose for supernaturally capitalizing Israel. He wanted to build a God center, a place in the center of his people where his presence could dwell. In Exodus 35, verse 1 and verse 5, then Moses called together the whole community of Israel and told them, these are the instructions the Lord has commanded you to follow. Verse 5, take a sacred offering for the Lord. Let those with generous hearts present the following gifts gold, silver, and bronze. So if Israel hadn't gotten this supernatural increase, they would have had nothing of gold, silver, or bronze with which to build the tabernacle. So the people began to bring all that the Lord required. Verse 29, then the children of Israel brought a freewill offering to the Lord. That's on top of the gold, silver, and bronze. So God supernaturally now gives ability to men, craftsmen, to do what God wanted done supernaturally. Verse 1 through verse 3, Exodus 36. The Lord has gifted Bezalel, Ohaliab, and the other skilled craftsmen with wisdom and ability to perform any task involved in building the tabernacle. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord has commanded. So Moses summoned Bezalel, Ohaliab, and all the others who were specially gifted by the Lord and were eager to get to work Moses gave them the materials donated by the people of Israel as sacred offerings for the completion of the sanctuary. But the people continued to bring additional gifts every morning. See what momentum will cause you to do? 
Exodus 36, verse 4 and 5. Finally, the craftsmen who were working on the tabernacle left work, went to Moses, and reported, hey, the people have given enough materials to complete the job as the Lord commanded us to do. In other words, he's given them more than enough. That's not break even. That's breaking through. See, it's more than enough. That's what I'm believing for, more than enough. The momentum of what God was doing, moving Israel from slavery to the promised land, drew their spirits out of selfishness, out of the poor-minded, poverty-thinking of a survivor, and caused them to become believers. Now, that can happen for you and me. How many things has Satan stolen from you the last five years? Try to remember how you felt, your heart, your mind, when he stole it from you. Were you just surviving? Were you just drifting? The only way the enemy can get and keep it is when you and I are in a survival mode. You know, I've told you many times, Cindy and I, over the years of being here in San Antonio, have had our home robbed twice. Every valuable in the first robbery was taken. I didn't know anything. I didn't have a security, nothing. And they took, we came home. Even the car door sides were ripped off. Uh, the vents on the air conditioning vents and whatever were all off. Just imagine the shock of the kids and everybody walking in. Your garage is open. Everything's open. Everything's gone. You know, but the couch. Can't, can't carry the couch. All the valuables, every heirloom, everything over the years is gone. And then here, a few years ago, somebody, I still had, we had all kinds of security systems. They cut a circle in the glass. And I had had my 70th birthday, and my friends internationally had given me some expensive gifts. Every one of them was gone. In two hours, we went to supper, came home, and everything I had been given and everything I had given to my wife for 40 years, gone. <sighs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't exactly what I said. That's a rough rendering of it, and very rough. And I, I remember thinking, I mean, because I've been to this rodeo. I'm, I, can't, I can't fix this. I can't, I can't get it back. I've got a, just a few seconds to react in my mind. And I remember shouting out loud at the top of my lungs, Satan, you will restore sevenfold everything you touch. I will be better off in the next five years than I was before you stole this. You are going to pay for this. And I shouted every verse I'm going to lead you in in a few minutes over and over and over and I can tell you, we're probably, after just a few years now, I don't know what it's been, four years or five, we're probably 80% in total. It, everything's better than what was taken away, I can tell you that, and almost all of it back. So it's not like overnight, could be, but it's been coming back, and God said it will come back. Plus, we added some cameras, too. <laughs> Plus, if I could give you, how many of you are young adults, or maybe married couples or something? Forget all the expensive security system. They still got 15 minutes when they break in. Get you a safe. Bolt it down into the concrete slab in your garage or in your house, and it's fireproof. Be sure you get one's fireproof. Now, nobody can touch it. They can break and steal the couch and chairs. God bless you. We'll get some new ones. Get out of here. It's insured. But your valuables and papers, even with a fire, are safe. So I'd put my money in a safe first before I'd buy all this equipment that they have for security because it's pretty worthless for the pros. Yeah, that's free, okay? That's just free advice there. 
I'm qualified to tell you because I've been through it. Joel 2, verse 25. Now watch this. The Lord says, I will give you back what was lost to the swarming locust, the hopping locust, the stripping locust, the cutting locust, the COVID locust. This destroying army sent against you. Once again, you will have all the foods you want, and you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. Then you will know that I am among my people Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. Never again will my people be disgraced. See, how often has the enemy put you to shame? Ever want to give something, but you couldn't? You felt ashamed? How many times have there been needs for your wife, for children? You couldn't supply it, and you felt ashamed. But when God begins to restore, he says, you will have plenty. You'll be satisfied. You're going to praise my name, and you will not be ashamed. And we appropriate all of this by standing on the immutable, eternal, infallible word of God and what he's done for us. The end result won't be lack, but will plenty. Isaiah 42, verse 9. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. I declare them before they spring forth. I tell you all about them. So God is saying, I have fulfilled my previous promises to you already. They've come to pass. Now I'm about to do something new, and I want to tell you what's coming forth. Why? So we can get ready to receive it. Isaiah 42, verse 13. I love this. The Lord will march forth like a mighty hero. He will come out like a warrior, full of fury. He will shout out his battle cry and crush all your enemies. His enemies are my enemies, and my enemies become his enemies. Verse 14. He will say, I have long been silent. Yes, I have restrained myself, but now like a woman in labor, I'm going to cry and groan and pant. I will level the mountains and hills and blight all their greenery. I will turn the rivers into dry land. I will dry up all the pools. I will lead blind Israel down a new path, guiding them along an unfamiliar way. I will brighten the darkness before them and smooth out the road ahead of them. Yes, I will indeed do these things, but I will not forsake them. Verse 18, listen, you who are deaf, look and see, you blind. Who is as blind as my own people? Who is as deaf as my messenger? Who is as blind as my chosen people, the servant of the Lord? That's us. You see and recognize what is right, but you refuse to act on it. You hear with your ears, but you don't really listen. Husbands, we are all guilty of that, aren't we? See, God God's ready to do something new, something totally different, but his servants are spiritually deaf and blind, so they're not able to prepare themselves for what God wants to give them. Now, if you don't have a listening ear, here's the result. Remember this verse, Isaiah 42, verse 22? But his own people have been robbed and plundered, enslaved and imprisoned and trapped. They are fair game for anyone and have no one to protect them. No one to take them back home. Wow, that's a sad state. So there are only two reasons you're breaking even, surviving, or just getting by. First, the leaders you follow aren't declaring what God is saying. Second, the people don't have an ear to hear what God is saying, so they are plundered. They sit with spiritual doldrums. That's a navigational term in sailing. When a sailboat has no wind, that sucker sits dead in the water. And it's called the doldrums. Doldrums mean low spirit. 
dull, gloomy, listless, sluggishness, complete inactivity or stagnation. That sounds like somebody needs some restoration. And since most people speak from their feelings instead of by faith with what God said, what, what would this kind of person be talking about? Well, they aren't talking about restoration. They're talking about their condition. See, God's wanting to restore, but nobody is believing and talking about it. Stand up in your home every day and declare restoration over your home, your business, your children, your marriage, your finances, and your health. Get in agreement with your mate to succeed. Husbands and wives, don't agree on the problem. Agree on the solution. Well, I guess we're going under. Yeah, honey, I guess we are. And if two of you shall agree, God says, I'll do it. You don't want to agree on the problem. You want to agree on the solution. The atmosphere in your home is created by the words you speak. And the mouth has the power to bring down the walls of Jericho when they shouted at the walls. So if hell is in your household, you brought it there. Get in a position to receive. So begin to declare God's word saying, these are the days of restoration. I have a legal right to this purchase for me at the cross. Charge the atmosphere around you and in your home with faith. Oh, it may be bad now, but the enemy's going to pay, and he's going to pay dearly, and it's going to be better. Don't say God wants me to be sick when he bore my sin, sickness, disease, pain, shame, and infirmity on the cross, and by his stripes we are healed. Say what God said. Don't say God wants me to be poor. I guess this is about as good as it gets. No, no, no. God delights in the prosperity of his servant. God makes the liberal soul fat. Give and it shall be given to you. You say what God says. Well, you know, some of us strong, some of us are weak. Let the weak say, I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God restores. And God wants to restore the years the enemy has stolen from you. So begin to declare what God is saying, gain momentum, and stop being a survivor and start being a believer. Now you're in a position to get back what the enemy has stolen from you. The thief shall restore sevenfold. That's from Proverbs, folks. Become too expensive for the devil to steal from you. Now listen, Psalms 50, verse 15. And we're going to do something. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I'll deliver you. When the doctor says, you're sick, there's nothing we can do, I will deliver you. When your business fails, I will deliver you. When you lose your job, I will deliver you. Somehow, some way. When the hounds of hell surround you to eat your flesh, I will deliver you. Would you do me a favor? I don't do this often. Would you all just shout out, God will deliver me? One, two, three. God will deliver me. And I can put that in the bank. Yes, he will. So let's put this lesson into practice before we go home. If you need health or healing in your body, we're going to believe for restoration. Stand up right where you are, and we're going to make, we're going to shout at this mountain till it falls. Well, some of you are getting used to being sick over and over and over. You got diflugus of the new gag. You got jungle rock, bagbetus, all kind of stuff, and you just love to talk about it. I don't want any infirmity in my body. I'm going to attack it with God's Word. That's an antibiotic. That is healing power in God's Word. He sent His Word to heal them and deliver you from all your destructions. So you've got to do this. You've got to be aggressive in doing it. 
open your mouth and shout it. Don't mumble. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I make this confession in faith, believing you are my Lord and my Savior. You are my great physician. You are my healer. By your stripes, I am now being healed. By your precious blood, I have victory over all infirmity, over all sickness, and all disease. Father God, you have set before me life and death. I choose life. You've set before me blessing and curse. I choose the blessing. I will not be afraid, for you are with me. Your word is my strength. You are my fortress, my high tower. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I will praise you. I will declare your greatness. I will bless your name forever. I curse disease, infirmity, and all disorder in my body. I declare health and healing and restoration to all of my body. I break any curse of inherited disease through my family members. For Jesus became a curse for me that I could inherit the blessings of Abraham. Thank you, Lord. I have a legal right to health and healing. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. No plague shall come near my dwelling. No weapon formed against me or my family shall prosper. I shall not die, but I shall live and declare the works of the Lord. I praise you, Lord. The victory is mine. Restore my health, O God. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, there are those of you that may be under some type of an attack. Could be legal. Could be some other sort of attack. Your mind, your emotion. I want you to stand up. We're going to shout at this stupid wall. You know, you might have to stand for more than one. Stand up. It does you good. I do this every single day. I do it the moment I go outside with that dog. Every day. I do it in the shower. I do it in the car. I do it walking down the halls. I don't shout as much in the hall with people, but I say it. And I'm saying I do it over and over every, how long you do it? Till I get it. Till the enemy pays. And it, it ministers to me as well. Remember now, God is the high priest of our confession. So let's give him something to watch over as the high priest. So those of you that are standing, right. So say with me, Heavenly Father, I make this proclamation in faith believing. You are my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and my foes stumbled and fell. Though an army gather against me, my heart shall not fear. In this I will be confident that I will dwell securely in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. For in the time of trouble, God will hide me in his pavilion. He will set me on a high rock.
My head shall be lifted above my enemies. The Lord is the glory and lifter of my head. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy. I will sing praises unto the Lord. For vindication is mine today. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Now you can be seated. Maybe you need some help in your finances or your situation. Stand up. Stand up. We're going to shout at it. We're going to do what God says. We're going to make this proclamation. Say, Heavenly Father, I make this proclamation in faith believing. It is you who gives me power to obtain wealth. It is the Lord who will plant me by rivers of living water. My leaf shall not wither. Whatever I do shall prosper. You will make me the head, not the tail. You will give me houses I didn't build, vineyards I didn't plant, and wells I did not dig. And by the way, Lord, thank you for the sports car you gave me I didn't work for. Just wanted to pause. That was mine, all right? Because I have honored the Lord with my living and giving, the harvest will return to me exceedingly abundantly above all I can ask or imagine. Thank you, you delight in the prosperity of your servant. I thank you for gainful employment, that I will be fruitful and flourishing, even in old age, because I'm planted in the house of God. My harvest will be pressed down, shaken together, running over. I will be blessed going out and blessed coming in, blessed in my market, blessed in my storehouse. Thank you, Lord. You will force Satan to restore to me sevenfold all that he has stolen. My harvest is coming. It is an abundant harvest. It comes from God, the giver of every gift. Thank you, Lord, for a new and fresh beginning. In the name of Jesus, I praise you. Amen and amen. Let's do. Can Can we do another one? How many are having problems in relationships, children, or marriage? Any of those areas, you need help. Let's shout at it. All of us, if they've got lots of kids or some have had one go off the, off the cliff or do something uh, that we worried about or concerned about, that's fine. Maybe it's a marriage issue too. A lot of people have some issues. All right. Let's start making some declaration. Don't suck our thumbs and say, well, I guess we're going to get a divorce. Well, then, yeah, go ahead. See, I'd, I'd much rather shout at this thing. Say, Lord Jesus, by the authority of your name, by the power of your blood, and the power of your word, I bind the strong man of divorce, division, strife, and rebellion. I declare restoration of peace and joy over my marriage, over my family. I rebuke all disorder, all confusion. I choose to be a covenant keeper. I ask you to restore my marriage, my relationships, and my children. Your word declares, great is the peace of my children, for they are taught of the Lord. I thank you, my children are the seed of the righteous. They shall inherit the earth. They shall be mighty in the land. Wealth and riches shall be in their household. They shall possess the gates of their enemies. They are blessed and favored. Deliver them from destruction 
and from the hand of the enemy. Turn their hearts to you, O God, from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. Let the spirit of peace rule in my life, my marriage, my mind, my emotions, my children. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. One more. Uno, one more. This, everybody get up. We're going to say this together. This is for everybody, victory in everything through the blood of Jesus Christ. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I make this proclamation in faith believing. I overcome Satan when I testify personally to what the Word of God says that the blood of Jesus does. Through the blood of Jesus, I have been redeemed out of the hand of the devil. Through the blood of Jesus, all my sins are forgiven and remembered no more. Through the blood of Jesus, I am continually being cleansed from all sin. Through the blood of Jesus, I am justified, made righteous, just as if I'd never sinned. Through the blood of Jesus, I am sanctified, set apart, made holy to God. Through the blood of Jesus, I have boldness to enter into the presence of God saying, Daddy, Daddy. Through the blood of Jesus, God is in heaven interceding on my behalf. Satan has no place in me, no legal authority over me, no claims against me. It has all been settled and paid for at the cross. Through the blood of Jesus, I am free. I thank you, O Lord. When David made his profession, here's what he said. Therefore, I will offer sacrifice of joy in his tabernacle, and I will give praise to the Lord. 15 seconds. 15 seconds. Let's just shout thank you, praise you, Lord. Can we? Father God, thank you. Bless you, Lord. Glory to God. All praise in heaven and earth. Be unto you, O God. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for prosperity. Thank you, you dip our feet in oil. Favor us with our brothers at home and abroad. Thank you for abundance in the name of Jesus. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.